Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Podcast, where laughter is a main course and humor is always on the menu. So let's get started, and here's your daily dose of funny. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ah! Woo! All men get to this age. Now, I don't know if women ever get to this age. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, of course, you're not there. You're not there. I can't tell if you're there. You're there. And this guy, you've been there for a while. Now, what age am I talking about? I'm at the age I'm starting to make noises when I don't want to make noises. If I do any kind of work around the house, I make two noises. One noise when I do the work, and then another noise is about a second later. And it sounds like I'm thinking about the work that I just did. Now, I'll show you, and you'll get it. Watch this. Okay, you ready for this? Here we go. Ah. Ah. <sighs> Everyone get it? Are we all on board? That's the whole joke right there. Everything, two noises. I move a lamp on my house, a little floor lamp. I make noises doing almost nothing. Sitting down. I come home at the end of the day. I sit in my chair at the end of the day. Ah. Woo. Have you ever sat down, made a noise, and had people concerned for your well-being after you make the noise? Woo. Are you okay? Are you all right? I'm fine. Thank you very much. I got my butt all the way back. Thank you. You know, I won't tell you how old I am. You know, it's actually bad luck in show business to reveal your age to an audience. But I'll tell you this. I recently purchased a bed. And the bed came with a 20-year warranty. And as I paid for it, I'm thinking to myself, this is my deathbed. So I'm getting a pillow top. I deserve it. 
almost nothing adjusting the thermostat in the living room. Now, how much work is a thermostat? A dial, it's on the wall, a little dial. Sounds like I'm dragging a piano across the room. Man, I love doing jokes and I do my thermostat bit and you laugh. Because that means you know what a thermostat is. It's like, these are my people. I'll do that joke in Manhattan and get no response. Because they all live in apartments with radiators. They don't know what a thermostat is. I've had to explain to audiences like in, in Manhattan what thermostats were like they were children. Like there were little children gathered at my feet. All right, all right, listen up, listen up. No, 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 scoot forward, story time. Outside of cities, they live in houses. Yes, they do, they really do. Inside their houses, they have a choice as to what the temperature's going to be. It's like science fiction. Because if you've ever lived in an apartment with a radiator, not a lot of minute temperature adjustments of radiators. Radiators are on or off. In the winter, you can either comfortably hang raw meats in the living room, or you're running into your hallway on fire. The only way to adjust the temperature in an apartment where the radiator is? Window. Open the window. We have a landlord here, ladies and gentlemen. They open the window. They raise and lower the window to adjust the amount of the Arctic air mass they're going to let in. Honey, it's getting toasty. Time for a nor'easter. It's kind of funny, it's kind of funny. I hope it is. I'm in a friend's apartment. I'm in a friend's apartment. He's adjusting the temperature with the window, see? So as a joke, I take a magic marker, and on the edge of the window, I just wrote in 78, 76, 74. That's funny, right? That's funny. I call that a Brooklyn thermostat. That's a Brooklyn thermostat. When I work up in Canada, uh, I have to adjust that joke because they're on the Celsius scale. You know, because uh, Canadians are very, you know, Canadians are very earnest. They're good people, but they take what you say literally. Right? I'm up there, I'm going 78, 76. Canadian guy stands up. You're going to kill him. That's too hot. Doesn't he know you'll burn him up there and burn out? What kind of a man are you? I love Canada. My only problem with Canada is their coins, Canadian coins. Come down and live amongst us. I don't know about you folks, if I get a Canadian quarter in my change, my day is shot. Because for the rest of the day, it's like I'm a kid, I'm playing tag and I'm it, because I'm trying to give it to somebody else. Sometimes you get a Canadian quarter and you don't know you got it. So it goes in your pocket, you won't see it all day, you're gonna buy something. You reach in your pocket for what you think is a regular quarter. And you get this other thing. And, and they're deceptive. <laughs> same size and the same weight, but they have a different picture. In your mind, they'll try and justify it. Oh my gosh, I just noticed, apparently, George Washington was a transvestite. <laughs> my father, my dad, 
My dad used to make the same noise when he'd adjust the thermostat in our house, only then he'd look over his shoulder at me. My dad used to go, he'd go, uh-huh, uh-huh. He'd look over at me, uh-huh. And he'd go back to that thermostat. I think he thought I was somehow hooked up to the thermostat. And if he got the temperature right, I'd become the son he wanted. Uh-huh, there you go, that should do it right there. No, that ain't gonna do it. I, uh, uh, I'm a New Yorker, by the way. I'm a New Yorker. But I'm not from the New York that you think of when you think of New York. I'm not from New York City. I'm from a small town in western New York State. I call it New York country. <laughs> Out where I'm from, there's two kinds of guys. Guys who go hunting and guys who go hunting. <laughs> now, do you know the difference between hunting and hunting? Hunting is for the good of the animals. You got to kill some deer in the fall to have enough food for the others to eat in the winter. That's hunting. Hunting? That's a little different. Hunting involves liquor and flashlights. You're been on Tulane County Road and you see a sign with a bunch of bullet holes. That's hunting right there. Stop this truck. I'm going to shoot something. No, you yield. Funny, you tell people you're from New York and they assume it's New York City. I was working recently in Iowa. I'm working in Iowa. I meet this guy, he goes, where are you from? Well, I'm from New York. He goes, oh, New York. I know all about you big city New Yorkers. Ross, have you ever been up in the Empire State Building? That's presumptuous. I mean, I'm in Iowa. I don't assume this is your tractor. <laughs> and then I thought it was funny. Uh, he asked me what presumptuous meant. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Presumptuous is one of those words, I could not define it, but I can give you an example of it. I'm in a public restroom with an automatic deodorizer. Every couple of minutes, you hear that little spray, that little You know what I'm talking about? I walk in, I've been there for less than five seconds. That's presumptuous. <laughs> Yeah, my hometown is about 250 miles west of New York City. My hometown is Hornell, New York. Hornell, H-O-R-N-E-L-L. -L. Hornell is a small town just on the outskirts of a Walmart. <laughs> Which means I'm a real American because real Americans live close to Walmarts. And if it's a 24-hour Walmart, that's as good as our life will ever get. Because we're Americans, and sometimes we wake up and we need stuff. <laughs> you, just, you just sit up in bed, oh boy, whoo. I'm gonna need a garden hose. <laughs> I can't wait, I said I can't wait, woman. <laughs> Dang girl, don't hold me back. <laughs> Anyone like me, sometimes I shop at one of these stores. I don't know what I need until I'm in the store. Because <laughs> I don't shop like my parents. My parents were very frugal people. Uh, when they went shopping, they always had a list and they would only buy what was on the list. When I go shopping, I don't have a list. I have an hour. <laughs> I just grab a cart. Let's see what happens. <laughs> 
Next thing I'm in the checkout line, I look in my cart, it's like coming to out of an alcoholic blackout. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was gonna stuff it on need. I got like a nursing bra. I've got a nursing bra. I got a nursing bra and a canoe. Hey. And this is when I'll often abandon my shopping cart. And don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. They're all over the store. Dozens, dozens of half full carts. They said little plaques. This is where a shopper came to his senses. I don't, by the way, I don't actually live, I don't actually live in town. I live outside of town. I got a couple hundred acres of woodland upon which I built a log cabin from a kit. Did you, did you know that's how you build a log cabin? The days of chopping down your own trees and holding them together with beaver dung are over. If you want a log cabin, where would you go? Where would you go? Where would you go? Where would you go? No, you don't go to Walmart. Went to Costco, that's where I went. Oh, there's a store. You walk through the front door, can't see the far wall because it curves over the horizon. <laughs> I was in a Costco, I'll tell you how big it was. You ever seen an airplane hangar? Giant buildings where they construct enormous airplanes. You can buy those on aisle seven. <laughs> Actually, I, uh, I got my house on the internet. You know, that's, that's where you get everything. You know. I went to logcabin.com. Looked at all the models. I, I got the uh, James Garfield. It was a two bedroom, one bath, had a mud room. Uh, put my house on a credit card. They delivered my house unassembled <laughs> in a giant cardboard box. <laughs> Took a week to get the parts to my house out of the box. I was so tired, I started living in the box. <laughs> but I painted it because I'm not white trash. <laughs> I was raised better than to live in an unpainted box. I'm, in, I'm environmentally conscious. I, I use solar heating. Now, if you don't know how solar heating works, it's like a greenhouse. If you put plates of glass in your roof, the sunlight comes through, and that's enough to warm the air of your house. Now, I want to turn the heat up one year, so what I did, I replaced a plate of glass with a seven and a half foot industrial magnifying glass. That <laughs> keeps the house toasty. One minor problem, you must stay out of my living room at 2.30. I have what appears to be a laser beam. Comes in this at a coffee table. Got a laser beam in my living room. I, uh, I, I used to have a dog. <laughs> Well, how do you think I feel? <laughs> the old curious Chester. Chester was one of those dogs, you know the kind of dog, they see something, they jump on it and play with it? Like a dust ball or a sock. Sometimes a 50,000 degree spot of light. <laughs> he must have played with that spot next to the coffee table for almost a second. <laughs> Only time I ever heard him say, Now, 
Now I want to take him for a walk. I got to use a dust buster. Okay, I'm going to say right now, some of you folks are taking this a little too seriously. This is a comedy show. For the record, no animals were hurt in the creation of that stupid little joke. You know, people come up to me and they say, oh, you go, Ross, Ross, how do you come up with your jokes? Because, Ross, your jokes are odd. Your jokes are not of the style, tone, or content with which we are familiar. Because most people are used to the old-fashioned setup punchline joke. Now, a setup is a piece of information that travels along in a linear fashion until there's a twist on the end, an incongruity. We call that the punchline. I'll give you a good example. I've been married twice. I've been married twice. I was widowed by my first wife, okay? I was divorced by my second wife. As I sometimes say, my first wife died, and then my second wife wouldn't. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? No, no, no. breathe, breathe, breathe. It's a comedy show, breathe. Set up, and then the punchline comes along, bang! Smacks you in the face. Well, I've been working for quite a while. And I gotta tell you, sometimes I get bored. Creatively, I get bored. So what I've done to kind of challenge myself is I'll write the punchline first, and then I'll try and figure out some silly little story to get to that punchline. And that's how I came up with the joke about the dog bursting into flames. <laughs> because of that sound effect, that little Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been making that sound since I was a little boy. Because when I was a little boy, growing up in Hornell, New York, we used to do something back then. And I got to tell you, young people today, they don't do this anymore. But when I was growing up, we used to do this all the time. And I look out here, a lot of you used to do this. When I was a kid growing up, every day after school, we would go outside and play. <laughs> I'm not making this up. And we, we would play army because our dads had all been in World War II. We wanted to be like our fathers. We wanted to emulate our fathers. That was my sound for guns and bombs. Little boys always loved making sounds like guns and bombs. Every day in the backyard, you'd hear us pretending we were storming the beaches of Normandy. I almost passed out on that one. You ever do that? You hold your breath and push too hard. Things get sparkly. <laughs> and don't get up, by the way. I'm fine. <laughs> what a compassionate group of people. Oh, they're very kind. Yes, they are. He's having a stroke. What should I do? Leave him alone. <laughs> you like my dad. My dad was um, a retired Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel. A nice, mellow guy. <laughs> I come from a military family. My father, uh, he was in World War II. My grandfather was in the Army during World War I. I enlisted in the Army out of high school, 1973. I just missed going to Vietnam, but I was in time for our country's war on drugs. <laughs> All right, technically, I fought for the other side, but... <laughs> Full disclosure, I, I'm, I'm what they call, I've been clean and sober for 31 years. Clean and sober. I'm very proud of that. 
I stopped drinking in the early 80s when discos were popular. <laughs> discos helped people of my generation stop drinking because they had carpeting on the floor and for sound insulation, they put the same carpeting on the walls. Now think about it, carpeting on the walls of a bar, how could you tell when you were falling down drunk? <laughs> I'll be right back. I, I got a little help down here. A little help. Quit kicking, man. I'm a veteran. Back off. My father's generation is called the greatest generation. Generation that fought and won World War II. And, and, they were, and when you think about it, they were great at winning World War II. They literally saved the world. But it doesn't mean they were great at everything else they did for the rest of their lives. They were human beings, they were flawed. And let's be honest, the skills that they needed to crush fascism didn't necessarily transfer to raising a little boy. <laughs> Combat reflexes, necessary in battle, unnecessary at dinner. <laughs> it's dinner, drop a potato, pick it up. Don't jump on it and tell the kids to run. <laughs> Give you an idea of my father's reflexes. I once spilled a glass of milk at dinner. My dad yelled at me before the milk hit the table. You gotta visualize the milk is literally arcing in the air. Like a drill instructor, he's out of his chair in my face. What the hell you think you're doing there, bonehead? Oh, I got my eye on you, boy. Drop down, give me 10 push-ups. I said, get Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Get out of that high chair. Look at you. Look at you. A baby. You're a little baby. I might have been the only guy to enlist in the army who already had PTSD. <laughs> I've got a son, by the way, I got a son. And uh, we always communicated much better than my father and I did. When my son turned 17, he got his driver's license and we signed what was called at the time a SAD contract, uh, Students Against Driving Drunk. And here was the deal. If he was to take the car, say, and he went any place and had anything to drink, he made a promise, an oath, to not get in the car but to call me on the phone. And apparently, according to the contract we had signed, I, 
was going to be more than happy. <laughs> to get out of bed at 3.30 in the morning, go out and drag his little drunken butt back home. Well, what the heck? I was going to Walmart anyway. Come on. Come on. I'm just glad he trusted me. That's all a parent really wants. A parent, you just want your children to trust you enough that if they ever have a real problem in their life, they'll come to you with their problem. I don't think I could have ever called my father drunk when I was a teen. I don't see that phone call to the colonel. I, I do not see it. Oh, Dad, I need you to come pick me up. Because even if I was sober, I couldn't get the car out of the pool. <laughs> then you hang up the phone and wait for the arrival of Mr. Understanding. He's going to want to give me a hug. And how long would I wait? With his reflexes, I wouldn't get the phone halfway to the hook before I saw him fishtailing around a corner, driving up in a classic American automobile, the Ford Country Squire station wagon. <laughs> LTD, lunatics transportation device. <laughs> Cream colored tan trim, artificial wood paneling. Because in the 1960s in America, nothing showed good taste more than fake wood. <laughs> It was a great car. If you remember this car, it had three seats, had a front seat, had a back seat, and then there was a back back seat. See? A third seat in the rear that flipped up and faced out the back window. Now, the front two seats were reserved for the regular family. See? And the rear flip-up seat was for like mutant children, pets with intestinal disorders, and the visiting grandmother. Nan is always in the back, passed out, because they had the rear window down about an inch and a half. She'd been breathing exhaust fumes all morning. <laughs> and then there's a seven-year-old boy flipping the bird out the back window. And that was me. Because I was in the back seat with my grandmother because I love my grandmother. Whenever I see young people today, I always hope they have at least one grandparent in their life. Because grandparents love you like your parents cannot because they don't have to live with you i could do nothing wrong in my grandmother's eyes everything i did my nana would she praise me oh look at that look at that i never thought of actually taping the bowl right on the cat look at that oh you're a clever boy you're right that way the food is always there My Nana told me, she told me the first joke I ever laughed at. This joke is over 130 years old. If you have grandchildren in your life, you take this joke to them. If they're between five and 10, they'll think you're the greatest comedian in the world. My Nana said, be happy God put the crack in your rear end vertical. Because <laughs> if it wasn't when you went down a slide, it would go. Look at that. Look at that. It's a 130 year old joke. And it's still quite effective. <laughs> my Nana, my Nana used to come and visit us every summer for 10 months. <laughs> now, we 
We didn't have a guest room in our house. Growing up in a small town, I didn't know anybody had a guest room. What we had was my room. So when my Nana would visit, she'd get my bed, and I'd sleep on the floor next to her in a sleeping bag. And my favorite day uh, was Sunday. We'd get up before the rest of the family. First, she'd wake up, see? And then she'd wake me up. Technically, she stepped on me. <laughs> We'd go downstairs and watch television. I loved watching TV, TV with my grandmother. Uh, we each had a favorite show. She loved professional wrestling. True story. She, she loved to wrestle. His name was Bruno San Martino. And um, my, favorite re- my favorite show was the old-time gospel hour. Because my dream as a child was to be a minister. I wanted to spend my life standing in front of hundreds of people (laughs) preaching the truth. (laughs) And this is the closest I will ever get. (laughs) But both of these shows were on at the same time. So what would we do back in the day? We, We couldn't record one to watch later. What we would do is we would share, right? You watch a little one show, Commercial would come on, you flip the channel, watch a little of the other show, you end up flipping back and forth, and in my child's mind, the two shows would combine, they'd become the professional gospel wrestling hour. (laughs) Friends, I want to remind you the Peace Crusade will be coming to Atlanta this Sunday afternoon at the War Memorial Auditorium, where I, the Thunderbolt, will destroy the gospel choir. Featuring sister Ginny Hansen and my brother the Terminator. <laughs> you people, you've seen me before. I've broken men's legs. I have made the crippled walk. <laughs> One thing you can count on someday the heavens will open up an eye. The thunderbolt will pile drive nature boy into the depths of Hades. <laughs> So be there on Sunday, bring a friend, and I'll kill him. (laughs) Hey, thank you. I grew up uh, uh, in this little town in Hornell, and uh, I always... I always believed in, I was always, I was raised to always believe in God, but I, I always trusted. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That God would take care of me. And he knew what I needed because we had a thing called a snow day. (laughs) (laughs) Applaud if you know what a snow day is. Oh. 
Because I'll work, I'll work down south. I'll do work. I'll do shows down in Florida. I talk about a snow day. They think it's a day that drugs are delivered. Like I said, no, 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 no. A snow day. It's a gift from God. The day that I'd wake up, look out my bedroom window, see snow piled halfway up the window, and I'd say, there's a very good chance I'll not be going to school today. <laughs> my bedroom was on the second floor of the house. <laughs> and I'd run downstairs and sit in front of the radio. The radio's where they announced the schools that were canceled. And they'd announce my school canceled. And this is when I started to question if my mother really loved me. <laughs> Because you have to think about this. This is, this is the worst day of the year. It's a blizzard. There's 40 mile an hour winds. It's sub-zero. But she insisted I go outside and play. <laughs> she stuffed me in my snowsuit, sent me outside to play in my oh-so-flexible snowsuit made out of nylon. Imagine falling on an icy hill in a nylon snowsuit. Might as well be made of Teflon. <laughs> Wasn't that the Bennett boy? He fast. That boy fast. <laughs> he flying. He flying. Snowsuit wasn't the biggest problem. The biggest problem was a scarf. My mother knitted me a scarf. Had to be 20 feet long. And she'd stuff me in my snowsuit, wrap the scarf around my face like she's going to pull start the lawnmower. <laughs> but she'd always leave a little crack by my right eye. And she'd take my glasses and put them back on the outside of my scarf. It's amazing I wasn't beat up more. <laughs> now there were three things to do for snow. Uh, there was three. There were three things to do on a snow day for fun. Skiing wasn't one of them, by the way. <laughs> I never went skiing until I was an adult. First time I went skiing was actually in Breckenridge, Colorado, and uh, and on the ski slopes of Breckenridge, Colorado, I found out the basic truth of human nature, which is that good skiers. Lie to new skiers. <laughs> they say, I will take you skiing. They never leave, they never take you skiing, they leave you skiing. They take you to, to the top of mountains. Mountains with names like no one has made it yet. <laughs> and Widow's Peak. And they leave you while they ski down the mountain. They jump over moguls, moguls, which I'm convinced are new skiers that did not make it all the way down. <laughs> Now, there were three things to do on a snow day for fun. There were toboggans, sleds, and flying saucers. Now, toboggans were for large families that couldn't afford a sled for everyone. A toboggan is about a 15-foot-long strip of varnished wood upon which you can pile three or four generations of a family and allow them to hurtle together to certain death singing the old traditional tobogganing song. If you know it, join with me tonight. Ah! Toboggans had a minor control problem. They told you if you wanted to steer it, you just have to lean. I think we all know how effective leaning is when you're trying to move 1,500 pounds of screaming, flailing flesh out of the way of a tree. We lost a lot of good Catholic families that way. Old-fashioned Catholic families in the 1960s, 15 kids in a two-bedroom house. One bedroom referred to as the production chamber. 
The other little more than a storage shed. I grew up in a small family. We were Presbyterians. I remember asking uh, Santa one year for a, for a sled, for a flexible flyer sled. And apparently there was a mix-up in the orders department at the North Pole. I received a flying saucer. Now, a flying saucer is a large, round aluminum. It's concave. It's a wok. It's a wok. It's a wok. Apparently, Santa felt I need my own Chinese frying pan. No little boy's Christmas is complete without stir fry. Yes. I took it to the top of the hill. I sat down. My little kid legs crossed. My little kid arms crossed. And if you know anything where I'm flying saucers, you know you only ride them like this once. <laughs> Right, what's wrong with the pictures? The handles. I couldn't see the handles through the crack in my scarf. I had no peripheral vision. I didn't know I had an option to grip the walk tight to my butt. I get my cheeks going back and forth. First couple of feet down the hills. Kind of fun. After that, physics takes over. With velocity, you develop a rotational factor. The whole world's a white blur flying by the crack in my scarf. Every few seconds, you see your parents pointing at you. I hit a bump, I get thrown off, snow suit is the ice, I'm gone. I went under a fence, ended up in a ditch. I'm just laying there. That's it. I'll just lay here and wait for the angels to come and take me away. Then you hear a sound off in the distance. Must be, must be the angel's wings, feverishly beating. It's the flying saucer catching up. Remember when you were a kid, you'd scream and no sound would come out? <laughs> the only sound we tried to breathe? <gasps> Moose are coming out of the tree line. <clears throat> Life was simple when you were seven years old. All you had to do to make something feel better was rub it. I want you to know you've been a wonderful audience. A comedian could not have asked for a finer group to get up in front of and dance. Your laughter and applause are like golden coins thrown at my feet. But all good things must come to an end. Every comedian you see will have a piece of material. We save it for the end of our show. We call it our big finish. And it's meant to bring you to an extra level of applause and laughter. Now, a little bad news. I already did my big finish. Sorry. I got some jokes left, but they're older jokes from the beginning of my career. Do you mind if I close with an older joke from the beginning of my career? Is that okay? <clears throat> can, you, uh, can you believe this whole Watergate thing? <laughs> Every generation has events that bond them together. My parents' generation, Pearl Harbor Day. My generation, the assassination of President Kennedy. I was in third grade, my teacher came in the room, she's crying, and she says, children, go home, your parents have something they'll want to tell you. And I ran home confused, I was scared, I was eight years old. I went to my dad, I said, Dad, Dad, my teacher was crying, she said there was something you'd want to tell me. My father pulled me, he goes, come here, let me tell you, come here, come here, come here, listen. The woman's a liar. <laughs> It's a joke, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs>
My father comes to visit me at the log cabin. There really is a log cabin. He's now an elderly man. He's looking around. He's all bent over. He goes, I give up. Where's your thermostat? <laughs> Where, kid? Heck, you built this house. Where's the th I said, Dad, I told you. I have solar heating. With solar heating, there's no thermostat. He said, solar heating, no thermostat. How does that work? I said, why don't you have a chair over here by the coffee table? <laughs> I'll explain it at 2.30. I always like to close my shows by taking a little poll. Uh, by applause, who here is 50 and older? Applaud if you are 50 and older. That's enough, don't hurt yourself, be careful. Applaud if you're under, applaud if you're under 50. The question I leave you with, what is the major difference between those of you who are over 50 and under 50? If you know it, just shout it out. <laughs> a colonoscopy. Now, people say, Ross, why do you talk about a subject like this? It's very private. I actually do it as a public service. I figure if I can get everybody laughing about it appropriately, when they're in their 20s and 30s and 40s, then maybe when the doctor tells them it's time for the examination, they won't put it off, because for some of those people, it turns into a tragedy in their lives and for their families. So here's what's gonna happen. Someday, you'll be 50 years old. This young man here, you'll be 50 years old. You'll be in your doctor's office. He'll be looking at his paperwork, and he'll be thinking to himself, I need to make a payment on my boat. <laughs> He tells you it's time for your colonoscopy. You get uncomfortable. You, you, you think it's going to hurt, and they don't hurt because they give you drugs. I always tell young people, do not do drugs. But if the doctor insists, you got to do it. <laughs> they give you legal narcotics. You go in in fear. You quickly become an old jazz musician. <laughs> there's no pain. If there's anything, it's the night before. <laughs> where there's a little discomfort. <laughs> My favorite part of the show, this is where those of us who have had one know something they do not. <laughs> Very powerful feeling. They act like they, they walk around like they know everything. There's some things you don't have a clue about. <laughs> the night before your colonoscopy, you must clean out your gastrointestinal tract. You must do it, it's your job. And it doesn't seem fair. The doctor's getting $1,000. He should do it. But they won't go in your hiney until it's bright and shiny. They give you a gallon bottle of a liquid. The brand name of the liquid, Go Lightly. And don't believe them. It's a lie. It's a violent, caustic liquid. They call it prep. They should call it the night of a thousand waterfalls. It left me chapped. <laughs> so I'm here to offer advice. I'm a, this is the last thing I'll tell you. I'm here to offer you two pieces of advice. For those of you when you came to your first one, or for those of you who apparently you'll have your sixth or seventh. <laughs> here you go. You ready for this? Chapstick. Get yourself a $2 tube of chapstick. Now you don't want it to be medicated or mentholated. Regular, original. And my second piece of advice, and trust me on this,
don't let what happened to me happen to you. When you're done with the chapstick, If you love what you heard today, don't keep it to yourself. Share this episode with friends and family and let's spread the laughter. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on today's guests and special offers just for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back soon with even more laughs. Join the fucking funny community today. <laughs>